On today's episode of Solana Made Easy, we discussed DGen Town's recent sacrifice, the burn mechanic that they utilized to cut their own supply before releasing an upcoming collection that they've teased. We also touched upon what it means for the space when a project is speaking from their project page versus from a public figure perspective. We also then highlighted and discussed Solana, the mint cost of upcoming projects, and what it means to mint at a certain price, as well as the transparency around how you utilize those funds. As always, tune into Solana Made Easy, your Monday to Thursday Solana Alpha and Market Talk Show at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. But let's get into it. Welcome back for another episode of Solana Made Easy, your Solana Alpha NFT Market Talk, Trade Talk, what you're buying, what you're losing on, what's going on in the space. Monday to Thursday, 5 p.m. Eastern time. No, we got a little bit of a light crumb. I'm excited to talk to some of the speakers about what's been going on lately. Shout out to Chillin Villain, co-hosting again. I know it's uh, trying to figure out where Running Man's been at. So appreciate you joining. Appreciate the constant speakers with Frisk, Benny, Manny, KTC. If you haven't spoken before, please request. We'd love to get some new speakers up here. Hear what you think about the market and what's going on. But Chillin, what's happening? He's got to be on like six spaces. I already know it. It's cool. But hey, I wanted to actually just kind of get into it. We got the D-Gen Town sacrifice happening today. It looks like there's going to be some form of change on those NFTs. We're not too sure what that is just yet. I'm curious. Uh, I know we talked a little bit about burning yesterday. I know a few people had seen the GIF. It looks like it's going to be some reborn functionality, some type of new NFT I'm really curious how and what way they kind of navigate this. If they're going to include it in the existing collection or if this is going to be its own entirely separate collection, I think that's going to affect some of the price action. I did have six of them. I sold all six at this point now, five yesterday to that burn right around 14, 15. But the, the price action is a little bit interesting. They've since fallen down. I think there's now sub 11. Uh, so it seemed like the move there was either send it to the burn address, see what's going to happen with them. Okay, so they're sitting at 11.3 right now. The big thing, I guess, is what what do people think's next? Do we think we get a brand new collection? They're calling it the Resurrected, I think. Not too sure how I feel about this. It, it's kind of its first of its kind. I'm trying to think what other burns we've had in Solana, whether that's been the pesky penguins with their snowball or some other projects. But, I mean, I'm curious to hear who's kind of got an opinion on what they feel might happen to DGen Town. Frisk, I wanted to actually toss to you. I know we had spoken briefly about this, but are you still holding any? Did you burn any? Uh, have you traded this at all? So I faded big time, even after my group chats all called it. I didn't buy a, I never bought a single one, never minted, never, I watched it mint out. I was like, I don't even want anything to do with this. Um, I, I have no interest in, in, in this anymore just because it's gone too far up and I'm, I'm just going to cope and I'm just going to live with it. It is what it is. Um, I will say this, though. I don't know how well. I know a few people on the stage know Ramo pretty well. I'm not too familiar with him, but I first met Ramo with an, an e-community I was a part of called Neo Tokyo. Um, some of you may be familiar with it. And they did something just like this, actually, um, where basically you had to burn a token and the token burn went towards a rarity of an NFT that you minted. But no one knew that until after the burn was done. So you had people burning like anything from like a couple bucks to like six figures worth of like like um like a token to get a rarity for an NFT, which it has not aged well, just for the record. But um 
I can see the inspiration there for what for what's going on here. If Ramo had anything to do with that sort of angle, I could see something along the lines of like maybe it ends up being a one for one where like you whatever you burn ends up going back into I guess um, whatever this new collection is. I think that's definitely what the easy side of it is. But there's also some like an angle to look at it in regards to like rarity. Like why would someone who burned a common get the same thing as someone who burned a rare? So maybe it's not a one to one type of thing as well. And that's what I think we could be seeing here, which I think is really cool. But my question is, what's the point of having two coins for something that just came out a week ago? Um, whatever they're doing is working, so I can't really fade them anymore. But I'm curious to see that. And of course, there is the rumor to the Sonic the Hedgehog writer and whatever. No, I, I still have nothing on that, to be honest. I'm taking a look right now at what Ramo had actually tweeted here. He had noted that the Resurrected will never come back to D-Gen Town. They'll appear elsewhere. The new supply is 3685 and then says after the fallen rise, let the games begin. So this is interesting to me because all of the Sega rumors and some of like hack and slash rumors that I had been hearing about some form of gamification. But I'm like most interested here in, in what's next, I guess, because it seems like they're playing into a lot of these things. It seems like they have a much more clear plan. Uh, and like we kind of said yesterday, too, the fact that Magic Eden was marketing and driving this, I'm hopeful that they did their due diligence on what the longer-term vision is. But, I mean, this has caught the most volume today alongside Gothic DGens, which I was surprised to see. I definitely want to highlight some of that. But first, Manny, or Shawnee, what's going on? Yo, um, your mic was also a tiny bit muffled at the start. It is better now, just letting you know. Uh, down on the listener, it was a little tough to hear, but I think you're Gucci now. Um, but, yeah. I mean, this project, I kind of see yesterday's whole 24-hour or, like, the lead-up to the burn was, like, the perfect time for an exit pump, right? Like, if you were looking to get out, that's how I looked at it. I think it, like, I sold early just because I like profits. But, like, I I mean, it was 24 hours uh, leading up to a supply shock with good volume. I think there was, like, no better time to exit if you are going to do it there. We've seen floor price trace back a little bit. Um and I'm curious to see, yeah, what it's going to do after the burn. Um, Rama actually came into a space I was hosting yesterday and was just talking about it. Uh, and, like, even mentioned that a bunch of the people who bought one of ones had burned their one of ones, which were, like, 160 or 130 sold to, like, 200 sold purchases. So, like, I, I guess I just wonder if, like, if there is even a possible way to return that value to those people who burned 200 soul nfts so like i don't know they gotta have something like planned crazy up their sleeve or else, i don't know it could go up could go down in flames we'll see no uh, it, it's gonna be interesting i think ramo's done a great job being that public person and we've had some conversations on the space around does a project page get into spaces and talk or is there a better perception when an individual does and i think ramo's also kind of helping that conversation i think it's showing clearly that when there's a face to a project that helps tremendously instead of hearing a similar voice that you're aware of now on a separate page it almost feels like there's this might like a slight disconnect to that but that's a, that's definitely a topic i want to kind of highlight and dive a little bit deeper into but first benny what's going on yeah i just wanted to say that i just feel like it's going to end up like one of these ethereum projects you know and is going to go to zero you know like whether it's a goblin town or something else but I'd be curious to know if anybody's like watched any of the like blockchain transactions and whether they've moved money elsewhere. I feel like that could be a telling sign, or is it just all sitting in one wallet? Yeah, see, I have not taken a look at that. Probably should have taken a look at that, uh, especially 
considering there's like a whale wallet out there that had 400 plus. So I'm curious how many, if any, they burned. But Manny, what's going on? Yeah, just to touch on that, there's a whale wallet that had like 708 of them in there, and they sacrificed most of them. But before they buy DGen Town, they've been buying these things called Ready Reindeers. I have no idea what they are, but I just bought one just to be a troll. Like, I only hold one. I'm not trying to put my bag, but. Yeah, it's just super weird. Like, I faded them, like, hard, and then I FOMO'd in, and then I, like, broke even, didn't even make profit, and they've mooned. But it reminds me a lot of this project called Slices of Time, where they had the similar burn-to-keep mechanic, and, like, when you burn there, you got, a like, a... There's 28 different artists who had one-of-ones. I don't think they'll do this, but, like, you can see the same kind of economic price action where... The original collection will lie kind of flat just because the rarities will be reset on certain traits and things like that because like 34% of them have been burned. So expect like a rarity like shift on that first collection. But the second one, like there's going to be 30% supply of the original. So there's less supply. So you could see some pretty insane price action moving forward on that. No, I definitely agree. I'm I'm excited to see how the price action trades, especially considering it seems like they have an existing plan. So there may be some buying the dip opportunities on the Degentown project here. Uh, so, I mean, I'm going to keep watching it, going to try to listen into more of these spaces with Ramo because it seems like there's always some price action that has a cause and effect there and driven from those conversations, which if you start to realize those trends, it helps you kind of play some of these dips and pumps and figure out your entries and exits across the board there. But Frisk, what's going on? I know a lot of this... The, the big part of all of this is the mystery factor, but I still have to keep begging the question of like, what's the point of this? Like, what does it really do? It's one of those things where it's like, look, if this had like, like a 200, 300 sold floor and like they needed, they wanted to get new people. And I totally understand that. Like that makes sense. But this is, it's just a brand new, it's a brand new project there. It could just be a social experiment. I totally understand that. I just, what's the difference really going to be between they ended up burning what was it 3500 out of 8888 or 8000 or something like that that's that's about that's a little close to 50 percent is about 45 and so you now have two collections just split into two almost like there's not really a difference in regard much of a difference in regards to supply they're almost almost equal now so what's the difference really going to be between holding a dgen town versus holding a let's just call it a resurrected for the time being well, I'm trying to get MMM up here. He just sent me a DM about what he believes is round two, a project that's using similar font. I don't want to call it out because I don't want to force a, uh, force a run on their following. But if it is this, then it looks like separate art, a little bit darker. Man, it's going to be interesting because I like the game theory on this. And I know we're books, so I know a lot of us have interest in that word, kind of a buzzword now. But it's interesting because we haven't had a project do this type of burn and see how it actually navigates the market, especially because from what I've seen in discords, people have looked on chain and seen that they are sending these to a burn address. So like they're not sitting in a dev wallet that could potentially rug and dump these on the floor, which hopefully someone will figure out. But Shawnee, what's going on? I'm just wondering if they've like done it too fast, you know, like it was a very like soon burn after the mint. I wonder if like, and I know the whole part is like mysterious and like they can't like, undiscovered roadmap but like i wonder if they could have stretched out a little longer and maybe they have some crazy stuff planned that is going to help like longevity of the project but i don't know it feels like it could have just been like way too quick for it to happen in my eyes but we'll see 
So, I mean, we see how quick the market moves. So I think it's more, this could be a benefit for them because people lose interest so quickly that if they keep being dynamic here, it could help this project continue to hold interest and traction. But it also reaches a point, like there's a, there's a balancing act for that. Because if you're making all this hype, the second you disappoint, people lose that interest and no longer want to back it. So I think right now they're doing a great job keeping people extremely interested, but it's also a tough market. So like if they did move a little bit slower, I think they would probably maintain that same interest because we're not getting five to 10 hype mints a day. But Manny, what's going on? Yeah, just to echo that point, as far as like the game theory thing, I think one of the things they're leaning on is called the twin envelope paradox. And you guys can just kind of look into that, but I think that's what they're trying to do here. I have no idea what that is. Can you break it down a little bit? There's a maximum amount that you can get and there's two envelopes and you can either open the envelope that you have or you can burn the envelope and get a new one, right? So you just like, unless you, the thing is, is like you don't know what the true maximum value of the second envelope is. So you, you the like the way they solve it is to always just burn, right? So like the math dictates to always burn no matter what is like the maximum solution, right? So it's funny you bring that up because I remember seeing like a deal or no deal theory that trading in the, the case at the end is always more profitable. And that similar paradox there, it's like the swap is always the beneficial move. It's tough with NFTs because like, sure, you could have first movers advantage here. But at the same time, like if the art is worse or there's even like more kind of beat up attributes than what we saw in some DGen town stuff, that floor price could take a hit. Like I'm a very, I don't care about art type of person, but some people clearly do. I think this is actually a decent segue too because, I mean, Ramo's been the face of this and driving that traction across the board and keeping that interest, joining spaces, openly talking about stuff. He hopped in the Tayo VC, grabbed the Tayo. So, I mean, a lot of stuff on that that keeps interest for the general space and community. But I'm curious what some of, like, everyone up here kind of feels and thinks when it comes to, do you prefer when a project is speaking from a project page or do you like this kind of spokesperson, whether it be a, a Frank, a Tom, in this case, Aramo, or do you prefer if there is opportunities where that project page is speaking? I don't want to let Frisk kind of shill it, but I think Liberty Square has done a great job keeping it a separate voice because I don't hear Frisk's voice on the page. But I'm really curious what other people think about kind of that and having a person lead that project. I want to actually, I don't want to call him Frisk again, but I do want, do want to pass it there because I name dropped Liberty Square. Chris, do you think there's more value in, even in this case, if say Liberty Square was a face instead of the profile page of the project? Okay. First of all, I, let me make this clear. I apologize for showing Liberty Square so often, and I can't stress that enough. Like, yes, I work for the full disclaimer for everyone who doesn't know this. I do work for the team and everything else, but I, I just really believe in the project, but not the point here. The point is, I think that when you take something like, uh, we let's look at the projects we have, which have outstanding founders. We have D-Gods, we have Tayos, we have um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a famous Fox in there, and I'm going to throw DJ Apes in there as well, too, where we have these founders who tend to come in on their on like their own personal accounts and talk to communities and stuff like that. And so each of them have gotten to know a lot of their community a lot more well. But you look at some of the other blue chips, like if I ask you who is one of the main faces behind Genesis Go, you couldn't tell me. If I ask you who's one of the main faces behind SMB, you could say Nom, I guess, but that's mostly Monkey Dow. It's not the same thing. And so there's a bit of that personal touch that comes with knowing your founder and I think that's a big part of what builds community. And I think it's a big part of where people can put their trust in. I do think it's a double-edged sword, though, because when something goes wrong, they're also the first person to blame. 
Frank talks about this all the time where he says like back in, in like late 2021 and early 2022, um, like he was getting grilled the fuck out of for nothing going on in, in Egon's. And now everyone praises the hell out of him. And so there is that balance, of course. And I think that like having a balance between this, your distinction between being your own project and being your own person goes such a long way. And so like there's a very clear difference there's a difference between the way that whoever runs the title page talks and the way that tom talks yes your founders are the core essence of your project but having that distinction i think is also so important and there's a balance that goes into that but there's a lot of hands raised so i want to hear some other opinions no i think you hit a couple of key things there too and i think some of it circles back to kind of what i was talking about too like there's good examples where it is a net new voice i think a lot of the drawdown is when you hear a familiar voice on a project page and it almost separates that when you can actually kind of from like a psychology standpoint recognize an individual that's associated to a project and becomes that sort of face there's some sort of like sense of trust that you almost develop but i know we got a bunch of hands ktc what's going on yeah man you actually just took what exactly, exactly what i was going to say it's really like because I, I had an ama and i asked the same question of like what builds strong communities and it was like do you guys do you guys care more if a project speaks out more during amas or do you care more about if founders do it and i think it was like kind of like the majority answers like they want to hear founders and to your point is actually like if there's an added layer where you can't create trust just as easy but if you could put a, like a a face to a name it gives people more confidence i think to want to invest in your project but again and one thing they also said was like but don't go overboard so a lot of these founders like go to these spaces and they talk too much you want to leave like a, an air of mystery to some degree um so it, it is it is like a delicate balance i think I really like how you brought that up. I think it's like much of this. There's a fine line to balance between showing up and saying too much and showing up and instilling confidence in new people, which leads to that volume spike and kind of additional value add. I know we still got a bunch of hands. I'm excited to hear some of these opinions on it. Benny, what's going on? Yeah, I just think the the name of a leader and having like your own personal account is extremely important, whether it be like, you know, a top project like D Gods, Tayo. Or even, you know, like Catalina Wales, like I know Michael Ross George, he's in spaces all the time. Even like OK Bears with Kais, he's speaking all the time now. Um, I think it's extremely important. And from my own personal experience, I noticed with like our Cowboy project, like having William or Code Cowboy like speaking on these spaces, I think it led to a lot of our early success because people were like bullish on the fact like they knew who he was and they knew like he could build stuff. So I think it's extremely important. I do like that you kind of bring that up too, because it's with especially with Cowboys, there's a level of trust on on a, a developer. They're familiar with where Williams kind of shown that he's built things and what he's managed to do. So it, it is kind of that backing too. I think there's like it's an interesting case, especially when you also have like PR people. Like Ketz is a great example. Simon crushes a few of the other team members over there crush, but it's also clear that they're not. If something terribly negative occurred, they're also far enough separate. So this whole balancing thing is the most interesting piece of it because. Because spectrum there with Frank quite literally being the face of D Gods in the name. And then you look at some of these other projects that have a, a face behind the scenes and these kind of PR people. But I want to pass it over to Manny. Manny, what's going on? Yeah, man, just to kind of talk, talk on that, like I just I have a culty personality where I get really into cults and stuff like that. So like I can't listen to Frank talk for too long because I'm ready to sell my car and second mortgage my house to buy a D God, right? So like I am all in on people being the face of a project because 
I don't know, some kind of trance that I'm like all in on it. Like I bought a Tayo not because I care about the floor. I just like the lore of some dude like saving a project because he's like super into porn. Like that was why I bought in. And like, those are the reasons why I buy projects is just like, just for the story to say that like, I'm part of that. No, I think that's a big piece that people kind of uh, don't, don't recognize the value of. Uh, it's hilarious too, that you kind of mentioned the backstory behind Tayo's, which is always something that gets brought up in conversation, but bro, don't fade Tom. It's tough to fade Tom. I wanted to pass over to Bucket. What's going on? Well, first off, uh, thanks for having me up here, bro. I know I haven't said much uh, so far, but um, KTC made a good point in my opinion. Uh, but what's too much like for like a like let's say these like founders or these team members coming up and talking on these stages? Like, what's too much? Because like I, I like to be honest, I have a lot of respect uh, like for Liberty coming up and he's not even they don't even chill. Their, I mean, I know maybe Frisk talks about it, but um. Like Liberty himself, like the, the account page comes up and he doesn't even like chill his project or talk much about it. He just you know, shares general knowledge to the community, which I find is extremely bullish because um, he sees value in just, you know, providing value. You know, it's like you make people money and, and they want, you know, in return it like comes back into your pockets, you know, style of, of, of you know, expressing yourself or exposing yourself to the market. So it's like you, you, you get what you give and like in return the same thing, but it's interesting. Like they say, like keeping these mysterious, I guess like more <laughs> if you're like, um, uh, like for example, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm going off track, but uh, I'll just leave it there for now and then I'll let Friska take it away. Well, real quick, quick, I'll just chime in. Like I totally agree with what Buckets just said. And I feel like that's like a kind of foundational thing when it comes to making content and a lot of people don't frame like, you know, Twitter spaces shows like this as making content. They frame it, you know, as opportunities for themselves to come up in some way, whether it's to pump a bag or just like self-promotion of a project. And so like as easy show gets bigger, I'm sure that he's going to experience this like, you know, people wanting to come on just to promote the project. And then, you know, you'll have to say something to them like, hey, look, it's, it's like a market discussion show feel free to come on the show to like discuss the market and like contribute within the, you know, within the game of the show, so to speak, like step on the basketball court and, and play basketball with us. You know what I mean? And a lot of times you'll get the good projects that will do that or the good, uh, you know, the good contributors that will do that. But then other times people are literally just going to say like, Oh, okay. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to come on. And that just tells you everything you need to know right there. No, that's that's probably one of the, the best ways to break it down too. Like there's there's a fine line between chilling the project and providing value to the ecosystem too. I think uh Pio, I guess one of the big things too, one of the questions I had for you was on the ETH side of things, does it matter if the team is like a face speaking on a project or is there kind of like a better resignation with the audience when it is a person? Like I think Moonbirds, it's always Kevin Rose's personal page talking about the project. So like well, I'm curious your thoughts on that. Yeah, besides Moonbirds, Board API Club, uh, 10KTF, Doodles, and like two or three other projects, all the projects on Ethereum are bullshit anyway. So it doesn't matter whether it's like a specific profile because it's all just it's just dog shit, you know. But uh, no, I'm, I'm half joking. That's a half joke. Um, look, I think Kevin Rose should just go on the on the space and talk himself. He can bring up the official like Moonbirds or the official Proof Collective profile. 
But at the end of the day, like you, you want to engage with a person like Elon Musk goes on TV and talks about Tesla. Tim Cook talks about Apple. Bill Gates used to talk about Microsoft. Like th there's faces that are the singular leaders of these organizations and you want that or you want a team like, you know, me and Nick for, for our thing. Like you, you want humans, like you don't really want to engage with brands and you can bring the brand account up on stage for visibility. Like you can, you know, give them one more spot on the Twitter space, but you need that, that leader to be the face of the project in my opinion. No, and it is good to hear that that's kind of the general consensus cross chain here from, from everyone. I think we're still going to continue to see more of that because people believe in those individuals. I do think there's going to be situations where I think even the apes, if it wasn't for that article, that article that dropped about them. Uh, so there's kind of some interesting use cases for it. I wanted to actually pass it over to Dusky. Haven't heard from Dusky in a minute. What's going on? Hey, uh, you metal easy. Um, Man, I want audio to... right now, bro. Okay, I'll talk later. Don't worry about it. I'm in the rock zone right now, driving. No worries, my bad, Thank bro. You. <laughs> <sound> like... <laughs> Man, that's tough. Yeah, it's definitely driving or something going on there. Sounds like he's uh, in a rocket ship. But Jux, what's going on? What's going on, easy? What up, fellas? Um. To kind of circle back, back to topics ago, Manny had said something about Tayo's and his incentives behind buying projects, and I sort of agree. Any uh, any uh, association with porn, I, I'm all in. Um, but when it comes to like project founders, um, the actual pages speaking, there's just something about the mysterious aspect of not letting like the direct founder be the main voice that it kind of intrigues me. I don't know. It gives me like that Banksy sort of feel with, uh, you know, uh, more of like the art side. I don't think it's terrible. I do think that the market conditions and the rug pulls and the things that we've gone through have sort of made people want um, a little more clarity, but I, I'm still stuck on the idea of things being a little more in the shadows as long as, I don't know. I think there's a strategy behind founders being able to whisper in the right ears and then let those people be the ones to go and speak. Um, sort of like what you said with, uh, you know, DJ town and Ramo and I was able to get some information. I wanted to tell you guys. Not this shit again. Oh I my God. Damn, bro. <laughs> I hate this stupid. I'm muting Jux. I'm done with the Morse code. We understand. <laughs> I hope you burned your PFP. You right click saver. I'm tired of it. But uh, nah, I do think that there's an interesting situation on some of this stuff. Like when we saw it with the goats too, they hired a PR person after an individual from their team came on and did not speak well at all. So I think that circles back to a lot of the, the fine line and walking that fine line of what is the right person and the right message to give enough, not spoil anything terribly, but also keep the image looking interesting for the community and valuable for, from like an investment standpoint. Well, Frisk, what's going on? So I'm actually glad that um, we have people here as well, too, because you started a conversation I thought was interesting. And I wanted to actually talk a bit more about the ETH project side of things in regards to founders, because it's no secret that Twitter spaces seem to be a lot more popular amongst a lot of communities, um, just because, God, we live on Twitter way too much. But also just I think that there's been a few great examples in the past little while to reflect that sort of sentiment. So. Um, one example I can think of is Azuki, where they're literally down, I think, over 60, 70% right now after we found out that the founder was like a serial rugger. And it was a big, big, big deal. But then you had something like Moonbirds, where they literally fired their COO 
and it didn't really do much of an effect to that. And but then there's also other projects like Cool Cats, which uh, realized that the team was not really performing well and they had a massive dip. Board Apes, which were uh, anonymous for the longest time ever as well, and I think it plays into that mystery side of things. The bottom line I'm trying to make here is I don't think there is one right formula. I think there's some things that works and some things that don't work. So D-Gods had this great idea to bring in a founder who became this huge voice for the space and is always in spaces talking to people. Someone like Tom works a lot more behind the scenes and his appearances, while although scarce, always welcomed as well. And then you have other projects like like uh, Easy you made a great example with Ket where we have Simon come up and he does a great job of talking and Pebble doesn't really speak. So Pebble acts as the more of like, it, it, it created a great narrative of like, who the fuck is Pebble? And it was, it was really cool. And I think that in regards to like running a project, there is no right answer in regards to how prominent your founder or team is in the space. I think it just has to be a good reflection of what your project is trying to attempt to do. And each project will always, always go about that in their own way. But the people who are able to execute that will always, always go about that. And I know for a fact, a lot of us have not bought into projects specifically because we've seen founders who we think are completely incompetent. And this ha this is still happening in this day. But yeah, I, I, I just want to reiterate, I think that there's no right way to go about it. Yeah, I like what Chris said about that and, and the previous speaker too, about the whole, like, you know, the air of mystique that is uh, surrounding like Anon founders and stuff like that. We saw that with Board API Club, right? Because Board API Club, that was kind of part of their early rise was that you didn't know who the founders were. They were Anon. You know, they're just four random guys. So it's not like announcing their names was going to be a bullish thing. Like, you know, here's a random guy that's had a job for eight years. It's not going to make the project just go running, you know. But um, but the thing is, is like, you know, when I was framing my response, I'm thinking more now, especially given the bear market of where we're at, not even thinking so much projects, but rather like businesses. Like I look at Kevin Rose, Proof, Moonbirds as a business and i know that that's how kevin rose looks at it too i look at doodles the same way like really sounds to me that doodles is probably looking to like sell to disney or compete with disney or something like that right that's kind of like the angle that they're taking i think that if you're doing like a project right which i think a lot of people would look at the solana projects and think of them more in that light you kind of mix in this art side of it and it's almost like going to see a movie or something like that versus like investing in a startup company if that makes sense i think over time when there's more market cycles and more people like lose money on you know xyz project and things kind of shake out and three or four clear winners emerge like frank's a clear winner tom's a free a clear winner that's when things might you know kind of settle down a little bit and and there'll be a demand for doxing because when these things become like billion dollar entities when they become venture backed that's when it turns into more of a startup versus a fine art project that's also why i was saying that i think NFTs get back to their totally inflated ridiculously high price tags the way that they they were at the peak of the bull run is actually going to be on the fine art side not on like the kevin rose moonbird side you know startup company sort of thing because when you look at how much like a picasso or jackson pollock sells for like 70 million bucks 90 million bucks 110 million bucks that doesn't make any sense, right? But it's fine art, right? There's only one Picasso. There's only one Basquiat. They're never going to come back. They're dead artists. That's how you get, and, and you know, billionaires, crazy uh, people 
that have a ton of money, they buy those pieces so that they can say that they have it. You're not going to get the same thing with like Amazon stock, right? So as soon as it becomes like a startup and that mystique gets removed, it sobers up the price as well. I know that was long. My bad. No, I think you hit on a ton of good things there. And I think it's, it's a lot of it comes down to the maturity of it. I don't want to take up too much time here because we've got some great people that I want to hear from. I wanted to pass it down to Robo, the Zion Labs intern, man. What's going on? How are we doing, buddy? Uh, one of many interns, uh, to set the record straight. Definitely not the funny one. But, um, yeah, I just had a quick thought on this. Actually, like, um, I think that these Solana projects, and a good amount of them, are already startups. Um, and at the end of the day, what we're thinking about is, like, how do people make a decision on an investment? And when I'm thinking about that, that a lot of that, especially early stage in the startup life cycle is about trust, right? And so I think that's why it's so powerful to have these founders front and center uh, promoting their projects, doxing themselves, uh, being the face of the franchise. Um, and I think that that just helps really with that initial kind of trust uh, piece of it. But somebody mentioned something really interesting, which is like the allure of a project or the lore behind kind of hiding behind that project account. And so in those standard startup terms, you've got the really the two phases of awareness, right? And trying to get people to know about your brand. That's where I like that project account kind of coming out of nowhere. I think Liberty does an awesome job with that. Um, but then it gets to the point of the conversion, right? We need somebody to actually buy that NFT and decide to invest in that project, not just become aware of them and follow them on Twitter. And that's where I think it, it, it becomes more impactful to have the, the founder front and center uh, explaining really about their projects so people can feel uh, more trustworthy. No, I do think that Liberty's done a great job with it as well. I think that some of the interesting things, I think it actually helped Board Apes when their founders were recognized and they were able to put a face to a name, even though they don't do a lot of direct communication from those channels. I think it's been overall beneficial now that people can actually understand who it is behind that project. I wanted to pass it to KTC and then excited to hear from Bryce as well. KTC, what's going on? Yeah, no, dude, I'm loving this conversation. And one other thing that I really like to look at is also like the counterfactual. Like where, where can we see uh, instances of this not like where your your leader doesn't have to be ahead of the project, but yet it's doing successful. I'm like starting to think now it may just be dependent upon the type of project. So if you're a non-PFP project, maybe you don't need the founder here speaking up. Like think about Dejan Flipcoin. I don't know who the founder is. Think about Genesis Go. I don't really know who the founder is. Um, and all these like DeFi players. I even don't think of like the trading tools, bro. Right. Like absolutely. Like Soloist, so Sniper, a couple of those others. That's a great call. And so I'm thinking like, you know, maybe there's a um, unspoken rule that if there's a lot of people rocking the PFP, the community wants somebody to be a leader because now their reputation's on the line. And so then if you don't have a PFP, well, I don't think people care as much. And so therefore a leader may not have to be as outspoken to give them confidence. No, I like that a lot. I mean, I think a lot of that too comes down to the product doing the talking where it becomes interesting for some of these like software as a service plays that it is more of that utility than the lore and story of that PFP project and what they're doing roadmap-wise. But Bryce, excited to hear kind of your thoughts on this. You've been in the space a long time. Yeah, what's going on? Yeah, what's going on, Easy? Thanks for having me. Um, first, just wanted to definitely appreciate you and the spaces that you run and, and how uh, kind of formal and, and alpha sharing they are. Um, I mean, I think I came in and people were comparing, you know, the visibility of Frank to Soulport Tom. Um, I think that there's a lot of things at play to, to consider. Um, you know, most people think of Frank as the, the founder of D-Gods, but uh, if my memory serves me correct, he's one of four. 
uh, he's just kind of the, the front facing one. Um, and so he, he's the one that is out making those connections and, and having that persona and bringing people in. Whereas as far as I know about Tom, um, he's kind of a one man show, obviously as people that work for or with him, but, uh, he is the founder or has taken on his whole role by himself. So, um, I think it, it shows different ways that people can operate and, and the ways that they go about trying to bring attention to their projects. And, and you can be in the shadows and just build and have this mystique and this allure, and that's great. Or you can be outspoken and, and kind of advertise and, and be the, the person that people identify the brand with. And uh, I think there's, there's no wrong way to do it. You, everybody just has to find a way that their project can uh, represent itself clearly and, and reach their community. No, and I do like a lot of the points you bring up there. It, it really does come down to the project. I think we've brought up a lot of good projects here that see it from both sides of it, whether that is like a DCF where I couldn't pick that person out of a lineup. Same with Genesis Go. And then on the other side, you have teams that figure out a person or a face I had to bring Simon up here because we did talk about him. Simon, curious to get your thoughts on this, especially kind of being that voice for something like this. Uh, hey, guys, I'll, I'll be completely honest. I just got back from a surf, and uh, I'm like half tuned into what this conversation is. So No, no problem, um, bro. We're I, mostly did get, talking... I did hear myself get name dropped in talking about founders, anonymous and non-anonymous. So am I like kind of close to what you guys are talking about? Yeah, we're just talking like, is there a value add to have a figurehead being on like the founding team or if they do use a project page to talk from it, does that play into just how people perceive a project and, and almost relate to it? And we were just discussing you as an example with Peblo being behind the scenes and you still kind of being more of that voice, but it's clear that you're, you're tapped in speaking with Peblo and driving that. So, I mean, I'm really curious to hear your thoughts. Like, do you think it's a value add to have that face or do you think being kind of a PR team and having a manager or a community manager to speak for the public is, is even as valuable? Uh, I think it's a really good conversation, so I, I'm, I'm glad you gave me an opportunity to chat. And I'll also start off by just echoing what Bryce said. Um, you've been killing it in these This is awesome. We're like in the shit posting meta where, I mean, obviously Alex is up here, so I don't want to say like we hate the shit posting. Uh, light him up. Let him know. <laughs> it's It's been really awesome to get a, like a nice contrast between, you know, like the, the shit posting the alpha. So I've really loved it. But um, I, I will say that uh, it, it's interesting. I was sitting in on uh, one of Kevin Rose's face. I heard you guys talking about Moonbirds. And he was talking about sort of like it's human nature. And like we're all kind of just looking for our tribe. And naturally, we're going to look for someone like charismatic. We're going to look for someone that we can sort of rally behind. So it's not really that sort of like different from what we've already been a part of. And it's like, I think you're kind of seeing that with the top leaders in this space. As far as like being anonymous, um, it's interesting. I, I just think it just comes down to scale and how big your promises are, how much money you raise, kind of like what your responsibility is to your team and your community. Like as these things start to grow, there's just going to be more and more I don't want to say investor concern, but people are going to, you know, want to know where their funds are being spent and, and how confident they are with the team. And uh, I heard you guys talking a little bit about like the software as a service play. I think it's a lot less risky because, you know, like the, the, the product ad or the value is really in the technology that you're using. And it's way harder to rug in that place because that, that technology already exists as opposed to like a PFP brand. A lot of the asset or a lot of the value is, is, 
kind of like in the events and the delivery and what you're going to do moving forward in the brand. So it, it's a it's a little bit different to me, but I, I don't know. I, I, I kind of feel like we're going to go less away from the anonymous as we kind of like hit the mass adoption. I, I don't think the normies are going to care so much about uh, an, anonymity as much as like the early uh, investors in crypto. But that that's just a guess. I, I'm kind of curious like everybody else. No, I mean, I think a lot of this does come down to more adoption and what that leads to from a perspective of, are people okay with it? I mean, if we keep seeing success from projects where that main face is anonymous, I think there's still certainly value in keeping that. I think it also plays into like the story. Like some of the allure to DGen Town has largely been people trying to figure out who actually is on the team. The thing with Peblo, the thing with We Are All Frank, even before Frank was like somewhat doxxed at events in a voice, that transition to as a project gains more success can be beneficial. I really do like where this conversation has been going. I think there's been a ton of interesting takes on it, seeing kind of both sides of the coin and figuring out what projects can really gain value from that, I think does come down to what product they're offering, whether it is that story and community or if it is a product and a value add for that. But what I did want to also just kind of hit here, quick room reset. Thanks everybody for tuning in. We got another 30 minutes going on here. Solana made easy, Monday to Thursday, 5 p.m. Eastern time, all your sweet Lana alpha. If you haven't, check out Soul Trades, free Discord, join that as well. Talking about projects all day, every day. Got a lot of good topics brought up here. It's one thing I kind of wanted to dive into. We've been seeing a lot of projects fluctuate with their mint price. We have a couple upcoming mints that are, in my opinion, on the more expensive side, whether that's three soul, three and a half soul, six and a half soul, you name it. Some of those things I'm trying to figure out, do we still drive value in the value of soul or is there still like a, a one soul equals one soul rather than looking at it from like, like a $35 perspective. I've seen a lot of these that we've been hosting, projects we've been talking to. There's been some pushback on how much funds they actually need to raise. I know a couple I'm thinking of, obviously, are Urkan with the six and a half soul mint. I think the entire timeline has seen some negative feelings towards that. But like a, a project that we've actually talked about a couple times from Toolwise is Realized Rhapsody just dropped their pricing, 8888 supply at three and a half soul. I'm a little hesitant. I'm nervous about dropping three and a half soul, even though that's a little bit over a hundred bucks now. But for some reason, it just feels heavy. You know, I, I can't figure out what it is, especially because I'm still buying soul. So I mean, I have more soul than I did previously because of the cheap cost. But man, it, it's tough for me to just psychologically think like, oh, three and a half soul makes sense. And yet I still understand that these projects need those funds. So I mean, Manny, we've talked about it a few times, these, these mint costs. And I'm actually curious how you feel about some of this. And I actually think some of the ways we mitigate this is with those localized tokens like Dust and Scrap. But Manny, what's going on? Yeah, man, a couple of things there is like, can you, does your project have enough legs to make you all of the money that you think you're going to leave on the table in royalties, right? Like, yeah, you will. So I think Commune 3 did it the best where they had a two soul mint and then they ripped up to 50 or 60. But that was like in the Hydra meta, so they're a statistical outlier. But I think the biggest thing is, is like leave enough meat on the bone for the next guy so they can flip and then get the people in who will buy at the true value of your nft and like yeah i mean 100 bucks is whatever like i mean you're putting we need to assign value to the projects that matter right like am i going to give this urncon guy like six 
than I love, but can he do it because he was in the special forces and like knows how to overthrow countries? Yeah, probably. But like the biggest thing is, is like giving true value to the projects when they need it. Right. So like the biggest thing is, is like start off super low and then let the royalties make up for it if you truly believe in it and like have your budget be assigned to the minimum value that you need to um, let it run. If the project's actually good, you do want them to uh, make a good amount on the primary sale, though. I don't know about like overthrowing countries and that skill set for NFTs. It's not one that I've necessarily seen. Maybe I'll start recruiting for it for our business. But, uh, you know, I made a point, uh, I think, a week ago on the show about how, you know, the difference between Invisible Friends and Moonbirds, where one, they were both incredibly hyped up, both went to eight or nine Ethereum on the secondary immediately. So basically, uh, you know, identical trajectories, similar supplies, one charged 0.2, one charged two and a half. So that's like a, that's a over 10 of revenue. Uh, which one do you think is feeling better now, right? Because like you get those royalties and you should be crushing it with your project so that you're getting a lot of uh, secondary sales, your price is appreciating, your royalty checks are fat. But at the end of the day, if you want to really do it big, that lump sum fundraise on the primary sale is something to take into account. And I, would, I, and I wouldn't be surprised if the sentiment is, why do you need that money? Why do you need that money? And we went down that road on the Ethereum side already uh, big time. But now that the dust has settled, the bear market's here, eh, you know, take the money. If you're going to do something legit, take the money. If you're going to go buy Lambos, get the fuck out of here. But take the money if you're going to do something legit. I mean, we've certainly seen a variety of project leaders buy Lambos and even post on the timeline in those Lambos. So don't put it past any project on this side because uh, we definitely have some experience in it. Yeah, no Lambos, okay? Like, no Lambos, <laughs> but fucking make some money and run a business. Oh, so, uh, I like a lot of the topics on it, too. I mean, talking about where those funds are going, I think that transparency holds a lot of value. We got a bunch of hands here, so I'm excited to hear from a few people. I know that Robo had his hand up first uh, a while back. So, Robo, what's going on? Yeah, I, I think that's a good point about, uh, like, like if, they can, if they can give you an idea of the value of the project ahead of time and you feel like that's going to set the price at a certain amount, then you're really just uh, dumping funds as a project to set your price lower and missing out on that initial run-up. Like you said, with Community 3, started at 2, went to 50. They could have priced it at 50 if they felt like that was where their price should land in the market. So I think a lot of it is going to be about projects now researching, understanding as more utility comes out versus PFP versus brand or event style, where do those floor prices end up at. And I think we'll see a lot more custom pricing for uh, specific projects based on that utility that they fall under. No, and I do think that custom pricing is going to be interesting. It was why I was excited for the Bifrost launchpad because it was dynamic pricing, was supposed to fluctuate, and they credited it to provide more funds to the team while still maximizing returns to the buyers. So I was like, this is interesting because we're seeing a lot of this hesitation in how projects price things. But I did want to pass it over to Bryce. Bryce, what's going on? Yo, yeah, I was uh, just going to say, you know, we've been talking about Liberty Square quite a bit. Um, I think that, you know, Liberty has learned an important lesson. He announced pricing early on uh, when Soul was still over $100. Um, he has 
gone back because he doesn't want to go back on his word. I think it'd be a very easy conversation to have to justify him going back and, and raising the mint price. Um, instead, he has gone through and trimmed whatever he thinks he doesn't need uh, uh, and finding other ways to do it. We're spinning up a validator, which we just uh, should be going by the end of today, early tomorrow, um, that's coming out of pocket. You know, We're figuring out ways to pay for things ahead of time to help deliver some value and, and drive that, which will hopefully be reflected in the floor price of uh, the collection as time goes on. You know, everybody has to just like um, I forget who was saying it about royalties, Manny. Um, you know, every, nobody takes into consideration royalties initially, uh, but like each time a dead god sells now, what do the D gods get? Like a thousand dollars in their treasury on each sale. Um, and if you compound all of that, you know, as long as you give yourself enough of a, a runway to get six months down the road and you're actually going to deliver and drive value and return something to the community and they see that reflected, uh, that will come back in your price and then royalties will continue to let you build and, and make your place in the space. I think there's also like a fine line between where projects juggle that royalty percentage and make costs. A lot of the ways I look at it too is like if you if you have a lower mint cost, more people are accepting of a higher royalty. Whereas vice versa, if you have a high mint cost and then come over the top with like a ten or even nine percent royalty. As someone who trades actively, like that's ridiculous to me because now it just looks like you're you've gotten all this money and you're looking for more without any immediate value. I think there's also like an interesting conversation to be had about some of these projects thinking about doing it almost like a web two way where there is a software as a service. NFT nerds has done a great job. They launched soloist, which also does a similar pricing strategy to it, which can fluctuate and drive a little bit different price action without the need for an NFT, for example. But it's, it's interesting to kind of get some more perspectives on this. Jux, what's going on? Yeah, man. Uh, circling back to Manny once again, first with porn stars, then uh, to leaving meat on the bone for the next guy. Uh, I totally agree. Right. Um, we're essentially crowdfunding here, right? So we need to cater to everyone, the collectors and like the, the hot potato players, right? Um, I do believe transparency of the funds, where they're going is super important. I think projects lately have been getting a little better about like breaking that down to the dollar, which is good. Um, you know, but the value's in the eye of the beholder. I'm a collector. I came in as one. I'm going to die on that sword. I've had a, cute, uh, a few quick flips from time to time, but 90% of the time I hold and I just think everyone needs to... Uh, have their place in this space. And I think when people are coming in, dropping uh, projects, they need to uh, kind of just make sure that they're looking at it from every angle. And I think a lot of that comes to listening into these spaces too and hearing direct consumer feedback because we're going to be the ones buying these projects. So like a lot of the thoughts we have, I think can be reflected on and related to a lot better from some projects instead of almost asking, getting the insight you want and then deciding that that's not how you want to drive the, uh, the pricing and keep whatever old method you were going to drive. Simon, what's going on? Hey, uh, I just thought I'd share a quick story because I, I, I'll go back to OK Bears when they were minting. And um, if you guys remember, they had, I don't know if they were the most hype, but they were for sure one of the most hype mints of that month. And Kai's, I think, was like pretty late to announce the mint price. And he ended, ended up coming out and saying it was going to be a 1.5 soul mint. And I sent him a message, and or maybe I tweeted at him, and I was like, hey, why 1.5 soul? You guys could easily sell out 5, 6, 7 soul. Looking at the roadmap, it's pretty ambitious. Like, wood raising 
you know, more money give you a better or a higher chance of success? And he had a really good answer. And ultimately, you know, it was about the community and trying to find like market fit with the people that responded to, you know, his community building campaign. He wanted to make sure everyone got an opportunity to enter the community. And it worked out really well for him because volume was insane on secondary. So like, maybe that's a good example of when it works good. I just don't know if you're always going to get that sort of like viral moment where, you know, each NFT changes hands like two or three or four times before it actually gets to like, you know, the actual end user. And I think that's a big thing too, is like that secondary volume can add a lot to funds and help with some of that initial pricing. But it's also tough, like you said, to hit that kind of that, that, uh, that, that, that swing on it. It's tough to get traction and find mass adoption and a lot of people who are going to be cycling that because we also see it on the higher end of things. When you have less volume, those royalties can dry up and also affect that roadmap and plan. So I think there's so much more that needs to go into how funds are allocated and managed, especially from behind the scenes and where you plan to navigate and what you anticipate. Forecasting is a massive thing in Web 2, and I don't think enough projects even utilize that functionality in Web 3. But Frisk, what's going on? So I'm going to make a point, and then I'm going to actually contradict myself at the end. So maybe this isn't really too valid. But I, I'm going to say that like the most important thing when it comes to pricing your product in regards to, like Juck said, like it, this really is crowdfunding, is just read the room. That's the first thing you need to do is like, look where the market conditions are. Look how down bad people are. Look at what's look like and be aware of like what you're providing to the table. What, what, like what it is that like you're actually doing for the ecosystem, what demand there is for even new projects, what to like, like what, where it is that you stand as a person within the ecosystem. And I, I feel like there's a lot of times where I, I probably shouldn't name drop projects, but I'm going to, cause it doesn't really matter. There was a reason why just ape got a lot of flack and bubble goose didn't get as much flack. Like, and they both raised 50,000, 70,000 soul. And they, uh, at, at least Bubble Goose had a 7.5% royalty. Um, there was that difference for sure. My contradiction is that, and I'm so sorry to say this, does it really matter as long as it pumps? Like the entire timeline was flooded with like people, myself included, bashing Degen Town when it, when it was minting at three soul. Um, and just saying like, this is bullshit. It's a, it's a stealth mint. No stealth mint should be like three soul. It's supposed to be like half a soul or free mint. And now with it sitting at 12 soul, no one really cares anymore because it never went below mint. So uh, like I said, my, my contradiction here is, does anyone really care as long as it mints? Same thing happened with primates. Same thing happened with a, a, a handful of other projects that everyone fudded the fuck out of. And as long as it, as long as it pumps, it like people tend to forget very easily that like whatever your crowdfunding you know, you get the, you get what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, I, I think you bring up something interesting there. Something that, I mean, when I looked at it, for DJ Town specifically, I fudded the hell out of it. Openly tweeting about the three soul cost, especially because there was conversations where it was supposed to be sub one soul. At least that was like the rumor and conversation piece. So you get it in your head that that's going to be the situation. And then they drop a three soul mint. The mint was also botted to hell. So obviously I was fudding the, going crazy on the timeline about it. I was not happy with the situation by any means. And then I waited two days to trade it because volume was still clearly there. If that was sub one, I think the royalties they could have made on the first day would have been even larger than what they had because you would have seen a lot more price action moving and it would not have taken a couple catalysts and seeing that the project was still around and still holding a floor price for people to start trading it like myself. It is always tough because like we say it all the time, as the price goes up, the art looks way better. And I think this is exactly one of those situations. There was a lot of complaints on some of the attributes, but shit, man. At a 15 soul floor, these things are gorgeous. Manny, what's going on? 
I was just going to say, like, we also need to remember that, like, we're like the salon of big brains, like not us. Like, I'm not saying that we're smart, but we're in this every day, day in, day out. So, like, you need to join some sub one projects and look at the VC chat about those people talking about projects that are coming out because they're not listening to interviews with these people. Like, they have zero context. Like, they don't have the amount of free time. So, like, we kind of get caught in an echo chamber, too. So, we I'm in, like, some not that great projects just to look at the VC chat and get outside sentiment to see if something's going to pump or not. No, that's smart as hell because we, we definitely do get into an echo chamber. And I've had some conversations with Shillin about it and just hearing there's a lot of other communities outside of the people we speak to. And we tend to see the same faces, conversation points. So it is always good when there's kind of an objective opinion to push back on some of the, the echoes that we do here. And I think that's a great play by Manny to look at these other ecosystems and find smaller projects that you don't typically see on the timeline, but are obviously still around because you're going to get completely separate perspectives and even better get how others that you are not, not hearing the same thing from perceive a project, which great example would be Just Ape or even Great Goats. Goats pumped like 3x. No one that I spoke to could tell anybody why. But as people got further down into the rabbit hole, it seemed clear that there was entire communities who loved the goats. So more power to them, but I think some of those conversations need to be handled. Bryce, were you going to say something? I just wanted to ask Manny, what is this free time that he spoke of? Something everyone on stage could use more of, I guess, you know, uh, or just better yet, handle their free time a little bit more. Robo, what's happening? Yeah, I was just going to say, like, it feels to me like the, it, it's very, very specific to the, like, we're obviously talking about a larger topic uh, about the space, but it seems very specific to the project at hand uh, with these specific, like, pricing discussions. Because, for instance, we're, we're a utility project that doesn't want to price out our audience, which is, you know, degen traders, right, who are using sniping tools. And so we can't price too high because we'll lose part of that audience. But we do, you know, make a transaction for every snipe. And so when I'm thinking about investing, I'm looking at the project and saying, how can they make money? Number one, that's the number one thing and really the only thing I could look at. I'm looking at another project that's like a PFP or a DJ town. Uh, and I'm thinking, well, I actually would feel more confident if they raise their their uh, their their mint price because then they're raising more funds. And we don't have to rely on just a pump and dump volume play to make money as a royalty company. So it's a weird it's a weird thing to think about, but some of these like projects where I feel a little bit less secure about the way that they can make money, uh, if I feel good about them minting out and they're at a higher mint price, at least that'll give them the runway to continue to build versus having to rely on uh, keeping the keeping uh, the conversation going to keep volume and royalties up. No, hundred percent. It's uh it's one of the things too that I've started to look at from project perspectives is how can they drive like business to business opportunities and provide utility and value to other NFT projects because that's another resource and we're seeing a good job of that from something like a Doge Capital and even Zion Labs handling some of that, getting a return. And I actually do like as well that some of these projects are posting what they made over a month, showing that they have clear run runway and are utilizing those funds in the same manner that they outlined in a roadmap. I think it just stems back to like transparency on it. And if we know what the mint funds are going to and where royalties are going to, as an investor, you feel better backing something from that perspective. But Simon, what's going on? And then I want to pass the shake, kind of a first time speaker here. Simon, what's happening? Hey, um, just on the pricing topic, I'm curious to hear what the room's thoughts are on kind of like these half and half mints where, you know, half of them have to 
uh, next generation products are going to be minted in like a utility token. Let's say you're staking something, it's yielding a utility token. And then, you know, the community is being rewarded with that. But then there's also another part of it where, um, you know, the other side is they're, they're minting, um, they have to buy that utility token. I guess like a perfect example would be uh, D-Gods where, uh, you know, the D-Gods that get it are getting it at like basically free. If they just stake their D-Gods, then it's like next to nothing. But then the people that don't own a D-God and have to buy dust, that's just a whole different market. And it's not really something that's in control of the project leader. And maybe those people are going to be paying, are going to be paying more than they um, would have liked. Yeah, I think you have a good point there too. It's I think some of that stems back to like backing your original buyers too, like that Gen 2 situation, whether it is in dust or soul, some users pay higher. I think some of that just stems back to looking at what those original holders supported and now that's kind of a, a risk reward that they're receiving there's a lot of things about pricing that i think you can get dynamic on and adjust it's going to be interesting to see how it pans out because i do worry about some of these higher priced nfts selling out and i think that will set a tone for upcoming projects too but shake what's going on oh hey um yeah no, i just want to ask i'm new to the space and obviously i just want to learn more about space that's why i jump into like on twitter just to find out more stuff so talking oh, about pricing yeah so do you know talking about pricing and stuff so you know we've just like like all these established projects projects are like tire with their pilots duppies and even like stone date who are eventually going to drop like a third collection just when it comes to the pricing like with the whole with the whole mint price like i was just wondering like what are they actually going to be doing with like all of these mint funds revenue and royalties like i'm just wondering why exactly would it need to be too expensive because obviously they have the original collections that they want to keep floor kind of aligned. But if like an established project, especially like D-Gods as well, which is just like worth a shit and I don't know how much it's worth. But is there any need for Dopeys to be so expensive um, at the same time? That's not me like trying to be a hot take. If I sound stupid, it is because I am just trying to figure it out. Bro, this is a great question, honestly. And I think this is something that a lot of people outside the space would be wondering as well. I think the tough part is like defining it as expensive is tough especially for something like duppies because if you've been holding a d god and not selling your dust this is more than free so for the people who like believe even the project the same thing goes for scrap with tayo the tough part comes into situations where a project mints a, a generation 2 gen 3 gen 4 gen 5 and has a mint cost for it that to me can be a little bit more worrisome if they don't have a plan for those funds and that almost makes me wonder what did they do with the initial mint money if they can explain those things, I feel a little bit better about it. But I think some of the things from like a, a native token, whether it's dust or scrap, you need to also understand from a holder perspective, you don't want them to not reward those holders. And this is almost the easiest way to do it. I think, I think some, or D gods are getting $0 from the Duppies Mint because they're not going to sell the dust. So they're actually not getting a return. They're burning it, which only incentivizes money to buy into dust which goes to the liquidity pool or buy a d god to start earning it which now rewards those original holders with treasury funds rewards the project for that backing but yeah there's a couple interesting use cases to it i personally don't think a project should mint a next collection without rewarding those original holders and i, I hope that kind of answered your question there oh yeah it does 100 uh, um yeah that's that whole plan we'll hold the whole scrap mint is just a completely changed the system from scrap into graphite. So I kind of understood that. But with Duppies, I was just a bit confused. So yeah, thanks for, thanks for answering.
No, man, great question. I think a lot of people are wondering the same thing, especially because people sometimes talk about the dust being six plus or 16 plus sole cost. That can scare away new people from entering, but it also is a, a nice reminder that those people that held D gods at three and four soul are getting rewarded for sticking the path and staying here for whatever this, this D gods pump has been and rightfully rewarded for it. But I know we got about three to eight minutes left, so I kind of wanted to open it up, see if anyone's trading anything, what some people might be holding. I kind of want to start it off. I got into Gothic Degens today or yesterday at five soul. That's a project that's interesting. Feels like a total Ponzi because you're just incentivized to buy the main collection and the collab collections to get a third collection. So I felt pretty good getting in closer to the top here and also exiting before we add another floor to the pyramid. But I'm very curious to hear if anyone else has been making any trades. Sitting on some nice trades with DGen Town myself. So, I mean, making money in the bear feels way better. That's for damn sure because it's a uh, feel like it takes a little bit more effort. But I'm curious if anyone else has been trading anything. Sweeper, I know you're excited about those uh, DGen Fat Cats. Have you considered ever selling a DCF before that? Or are you just diamond handing the hell out of it for this next collection? <clears throat> well, I like that uh, you said that I am actually a um, pro strong proponent of hedging. I have hedged myself. I will only lose money if DCF drops below about 240. So at 240, I'm hedged. Um, I use Yao to do some loans. And I think, uh, <clears throat> sorry, um, I think that I'll be fine. I think that uh, DGen Fat Cats are going to go do really well. But I've loaned out, I think, four at 250 and then two at 220. So I took some gains there. And now I'm trying to find something to trade, but the market just looks like absolute shit right now. I mean, I think Frank just needs to do duppies so that we can get some liquidity. I mean, I think he's going to push it to October, September, October. But at this point, I just need him to do it so I can get some liquidity. And everyone is a lot of projects that are, that are waiting till after Frank, uh, after duppies mints to actually mint their project because they want the liquidity. So I don't know. I think uh, it's kind of like a very low volume environment. So you have to stay very nimble and you stay very small and go very fast. You can't deploy. I don't even think you could deploy like 5,000 Solana right now and have any chance of making money. No, I think there's a uh, very few opportunities that you really got to pick your spots on. The market's been ugly, man. Volumes down. Looking at hello moon, the billionaire. That's too sure, man. And, What's going on with some of this volume? But I wanted to quickly pass it again down to Shake. Shake, what's going on? Oh, yeah. Speaking of recent trades, I recently bought a uh, nuke dupe. I just thought, you know, it's a good time to buy. You know, I was like stuck holding just some projects that were just kind of going down and down. Um, I've held on to my good ones, obviously, um, like Deal Nerds and Cybervillains. Sab but yeah, bought into a nuke dupe. I do think just now is a good time to buy any kind of blue chip or any kind of community that you wanted to invest in. And don't say that's financial advice because, you know, Saul could just go straight down to 20 again. So don't listen to me 100%. Um, but just find a time to shoot and you'll be 100% just <laughs> buying to any kind of blue chips that you want now. And I thought Stone Dape has a fucking sick community. I did like one random tweet about Stone Dapes and it got like 80 replies. So I've, I just fucking had to buy them. Um, but yeah, no, nah, community is great and legit iconic. So yeah. That's one trade that I've been doing no, so it's far. A, it's an OG blue chip in the Soul ecosystem. I do like the Nuke Dape was a, a Dutch auction that just sold out at the peak. I'm interested in their their Gen 3. Want to hear why and what they're planning to do with that. Also, how they kind of plan to use Puff. I know KTC is going crazy because we give them shit all the time for a Stone Dape. But hey, got to respect it. What's going on? 
I've done this once. I've done this twice. No. I've done this a ton of times. Stepping is the only thing that I'm making regular gains on the daily. I'm cashing out USDC every single day on it. It's moved from about my high. I was pulling 150 a day. I'm pulling about 25 on a good day 30 after selling gems. Um, they just updated the white paper, though. Uh, there are some new faces coming in. They're talking about the third round. I'm not going to go too deep into it. But if you are interested in getting off y'all's lazy asses and get moving and get earning, Go take a look at the new white paper with Stepin. I do like that they incorporated that DEX directly in the platform. I think that's actually huge. I think they got past the China FUD here too. Maybe I'll take a look again. I was a big Stepin fan when I was making like 150 bucks a day. I'm definitely less of a Stepin fan now that I can barely make $5 a day. But I hope, I hope they pump. Shillin, what's going on? Yeah, so there was a bunch of ETH influencers kind of shilling this new meme called Bagner. It's a free, it's a free mint. They haven't confirmed it's on ETH, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be on ETH. Don't be anyone's exit liquidity. If you can get it for free, get it. Do not buy it on secondary. But like I said, if you can mint, you'll print. I like that. I like that a lot. Don't be someone's exit liquidity, and if you mint, you print. Frisk, what's happening? So um, besides the obvious, I'm not trading anything right now. Um, I'm mostly just like working with the projects that I, I'm associated with. Um, but I am... I'm always whitelist hunting. That's something I always do. Like, I'm always just looking for new projects. And this isn't a sole project, but I did find out, and I'm pretty sure we've already heard about this, that um, is dropping a sister project um, called Evu. Um, I want to look more into that. I want to see what the value prop is there because Psychedelic Anonymous did a really good job of building that community and doing a really good job of maintaining themselves in the space. And they're one of the few 3D avatars that I actually don't hate the art for. I can't stand 3D art, but I think that they did a pretty good job with it. And also, I am going to show one thing really quick. I'm really sorry, but I got to do this. Uh, I'm not going to show Liberty Square, but we do have our community manager at Liberty Square. It's her birthday today, and she deserves all the love and all the shout-outs because she works really hard for the project. Um, shout-out to Cass. I know you're in the listeners right now. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Happy Cass. birthday. Happy birthday. Got to show the love. What's going on, Manny? And then we'll hit Sweeper to wrap it up. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, these stoned apes. They have too much money, and those are pretty decent. I'm looking at these ghost kids. I just think they're cool. Um, I bought the gothic degens like three days ago because I was like, dude, you know what? These are just kind of cool. And everything that I thought was pretty decent is pumping, so until I get burned, I'm riding that wave. Man, it's like... Like you said, it is your friend, so ride it until you uh, get liquidated and margin called and lose everything. Sweeper, what's happening? I will say this for Steppen. These guys are trying to make it into a game and not a money-making operation. So I, I would probably, I mean, you can buy it maybe here, but I would not put significant capital into this Ponzi. I think uh, it's a great company. I wish I would have invested in it when it you know, had, had the private rounds and everything, but... Uh, Definitely not something for people to buy into unless you're like Jux and maybe you're an expert and you kind of know what you're doing. Yeah, I think there was a ton of angles and a ton of YouTube videos and content on it. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of people out there that still love the platform, Jux included. I mean, I don't know how many times I've heard about it from them that I'm now almost considering getting back in. But, hey, wanted to toss it to Bryce to wrap it up here and then uh, kind of end the show on that note. But, Bryce, what's going on? Yeah, I just wanted to uh, follow up. Everybody's saying they're not quite sure how to make money in a bear market. Um, if you think 
the market's going to continue to go down, open up a Mango account, short uh, any asset you want. The more shorting you have on the market, the more likely it is to move in the inverse direction. So we could actually trigger a bull market if all of us go and collectively decide to lose X amount of dollars by applying a bunch of short pressure. Thank you. It's for the greater good. Let's go. That's what this is about. That's what we love in this space. Community building, even if we all implode. I know some of us got some bags up here that we could certainly just light on fire a little bit more efficiently than we already are in this market. But hey, appreciate everyone tuning in. If you haven't, give the speakers a follow. Just an absolutely loaded stage up here. Appreciate appreciate you. We're back tomorrow, 4 p.m. Eastern time to wrap up the week. Solana made easy. Monday to Thursday, 5 p.m. Join the Discord if you haven't, and we'll catch you all tomorrow.